Today I was fortunate enough to talk to a Canadian comedic legend. It was insightful to see, you know, how he uh, got to look at the past year as far as the pandemic, as far as government, as far as, um, you know, what's been going on with, you know, civil rights. And he, he, he did shed some light on some pretty hard topics. So it was a great podcast. I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, Father, comedian, actor, host, you name it, he's done it. Kenny Robinson. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Yeah, I'm Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. Uh, it's actually nice to talk to you. I mean, I know that we only really, you know, hung out that one day together, but I mean, yeah. since then, on Facebook, pretty much, you're 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 on my newsfeed, pretty much. You you dominate my newsfeed, right? So if I'm on Facebook, I stop posting except for music and and and, and videos now, because uh, every time I, I I write something, either it turns really ugly or I get 30 days in Facebook jail. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I, I've all but uh, signed off from it. You know what I mean? But, you know, I used to, like, if something would happen, I'd be like, okay, what does Kenny think about it? Um, especially yeah. when it comes to anything that's, what? like, anything that's racial, it's like when it toes the I line with woke culture. Riots? Yeah, yeah, that's when I'm at my best. If I had a radio show, that's when it would have been happening, you know? Yeah, man, I mean, obviously, um, being a black man, there's credibility right there with the conversation, but then I think that, you know, comedians, especially now, man, it's needed. Like, I'm, I'm trying to listen to every podcast I can to just bring my own spirit up, uh, let alone just, you know, to bring people up. I think that that would be so, I, I think even being a black comedian is so important right now. Um, the one thing I wanted to, and I do have a couple notes because I did want to talk to you about a couple things. I, I remember the day with you, you know, in the, in the, in the, the moving van and moving things around and, and, and helping you with that. There is a piece of furniture at my mom's that I thought I could get back and we had no more room in that goddamn van. We were barely able to get that uh, that, that wheelchair in. Yeah. And there's a long chest that she had for years and I was never able to get back and get it. So oh, I, no. did, I kicked myself saying, man, that was her favorite piece of furniture. And, you know, and I never got it back. So, but hey, we were filled to the rim, man. It was a snowstorm that day and and I was trying to get it finished so I could go to a show for 15 people out in Brampton. So, you know, it was uh, it was the best of times, worst of times. But that was, uh, that was that day was gold for me. Um, especially as I got older, looking back on it, I know it seems like, you know, but sitting with you guys, you know, Natish, an up-and-coming comedian, sitting with you, you're talking, telling, you know, the old stories. Uh, this is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get you on here. You're telling old stories and, and some crazy stories that I, you know, I've never heard. Um, talking about being a dad, and there's just there was so much there, um, and then obviously making me laugh my ass off, and and whatever else we were doing that day. Um, and then I it was found just a good that day. Could have. What's that? And then I found that weed I didn't know I had it for you guys. Yeah, yeah, that was the the silver lining at the end of the day, wasn't it? Um, pour a drink and roll some smoke. <laughs> that's it, man. And, and for you, like I know you were talking. I remember you were talking about Chicago. Um, you know, talking about growing up in Winnipeg too, I, I that was some things that I, that interested me. Um, and I even, you know, I've seen some stuff online talking about, you know, your brother, um, what's going on with with him when he was shot. Um, so for you, 
you know, talk about that time, like the tradition. Like I don't know the timeline exactly, so I know that you 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 were born in Winnipeg, correct? Yeah, born in Winnipeg, and then by a coin toss, my family wound up uh, taking off for Chicago instead of New York because uh, there was some uh, criminal uh, uh, issues that my mom was dealing with, and so instead of making, uh, you know, they said if. Uh, what happened was she was a bookkeeper for this poultry company. And every time one of the bosses would come and rub his dick against her shoulder or, you know, start massaging her neck or whatever, she would take some money out of one of the accounts. Because there was no HR back then. Yeah. And there was no, and there wasn't any, uh, 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 no, there, 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 there was no such thing as sexual harassment. It was called, you want to keep your job. Uh, there was no uh, uh, human rights. Commission there was no Me Too yet. movement. There was no. There was no. Yeah. There was Me Too. It was not me, yeah. and motherfucker. It was when she had. So every time he did something, she'd scoop some money out of the out of the accounts, or out of the till, or out of the books, or mm -hmm. whatever. She'd make payment for something that there wasn't a payment made for. So uh, they. Uh, she spent about ten days in jail. She was about eight months pregnant. Me, and then she got out, and then I was born, and then they hired a, a, a young lawyer just graduated from the University of Manitoba. His name is Manny Israel. Can you get a more Jewish lawyer than Manny Israel? <laughs> Sounds like an HBO show. It was one of his first big, uh, it was one of his first cases out of law school. And uh, that, uh, that the company said, well, we, do, we take this to court. Uh, you know we're going to have to uh, show both sets of books that Elaine kept. The one that the family got to see and the one you showed Revenue Canada. So they said, okay, we, uh, we won't pursue this if she makes restitution. So after, I guess, the second month of trying to pay $35 back or something, she says, shit, I'll never pay this eight grand back or ten grand back that she took over a period of two years. So... She said, I'm not, I'm not paying this, fuck it. So her and my old man flipped the coin, heads New York, tails Chicago, came up tails. So uh, that's how I wound up in the Whitney City and a lifelong Cubs fan. And how old were you uh, when you moved to Chicago? Well, first time we hit Chicago, I was just a baby. They threw me in the back seat in the bassinet, uh, jammed between the back seat and the, and the, and the front seat. Uh, there were no car seats back then, so I couldn't have been any older than four to six months when we hit the road. Okay, all right. And then you were in Chicago for how many years before you, you I guess, moved back up to Winnipeg oh, at some right. point? I was in Chicago. We lived in Montreal for a while while we were waiting for my mom's immigration papers to uh, get straightened out. It's funny. I found a letter, a copy of a letter that she had wrote to Attorney General Robert Kennedy trying to get him to intercede on her behalf. And uh, she was a letter-writing son of a bitch boy. I found letters uh, she wrote to... Uh, uh, Obama, uh, trying to get my, uh, trying to get some uh, some help for my brother before he died, and they sent a lovely Christmas card and minograph uh, thank you letter from uh, with the Obama family on there. So when she was in the hospital or in the in the in the uh, transition home, uh, she posted the Christmas card from Obama. So all the black staff came in to look at her card, <laughs> saying, "Damn, I didn't know you had it like that." You know, so. Uh, she also had the full page from the star that Russell Peters took out thanking uh, Toronto for selling out their Canada Center. So as she told anybody that came in, my son's friends with the Indian. So uh, <laughs> he remember his name, just the Indian. Uh, imagine, so, um, imagine if she had Twitter. 
Imagine. I, guess I, was, I, I guess what? Oh, I'm sorry. No, ima imagine if um, Twitter came along when your mom was still able to uh, jump onto Twitter. She probably would have had a field well, day with she, that. She had a hard enough time working her remote. She wouldn't have. But she would have been canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She, would, she said, Facebook jail. I've done real jail, motherfucker. I ain't worried about Facebook. You know? So she, uh, yeah, she would have had her Twitter account closed and all kinds of stuff. You know? Politically, uh, politically correct was something that we scoffed at. Yeah, it, you, uh, the, the one thing that the day I was with you uh, that I did notice, man, and I think that, you know, um, I resonate, that resonated with me anyways was your love for your mom. Um, and I don't want to delve yeah. down this too too far or wherever it needs to go, but, I mean, your love for your mom and, and you know, you, I know you were, you were cleaning up the stuff out of the, the apartment for that day. Um, and for you, I know that you had your own challenges and things going on and, you know, being a comedian's hard enough. Marriage and, breaking up. Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't want to get into that, but I mean, like, you're going through so much, and then you're having to do that, and it's like, you know, you love for your mom, you can see it, man, and I see it online, too, and uh, so, I mean, yeah, for that, I mean, that's shining through, obviously, to your kids, your dad, um, I get that now, I mean, I wasn't a dad when I when I had met you before, I'm a, a dad now, and I have all the challenges you face. Congratulations, what do you have? Uh, little, little girl, so she's she's four now, okay. and well, almost four. Yeah, precious. Okay. She's she's a little uh she has some attitude going on right now. She's uh she's just, good. Yeah, oh yeah, I know, it'll be good later. Good. Life will beat the attitude out of her before you know it anyway, so let her have as much as she can start with so she got something left later on. That's that's a good way to look at it, man, for sure. For sure. And how was it that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you know, I, I see my challenges as a dad right now with what's going on with the pandemic. I, I work in the gym industry for fuck's sakes. And for me, it's a, a challenge now where that, along with even comedy, I mean, there's some um, sectors that are just, there's no recovery or at least not anytime soon. And it, it's, it, you know, a struggle to even, you know, get work. So for me, I mean, I'm, I'm sort oh, of biding my time and waiting things and being a dad and, and trying to hold on to my dream of doing this and doing that. For you, being a comedian, chasing the dream, the struggle being a dad and having to, you know, sacrifice this or do that. Make the, like, how was that for you and some of the things you had to do? Thank God for sure. Yeah, I mean, right now, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody said, well, Trudeau did blackface. I said, after he started passing out that syrup, he became soul brother number one. <laughs> you know, when he made that money available, I said, he is mine. I don't care what anybody, you know. You know, he could, he could have five baby mamas and get fat white women to buy him new Jordans and a two-piece from Popeyes. I don't care, you know. After he made that $2,000 available for those in need, he, you know, he was my man. Him and James Brown can roll together in the same in the same parade after that. Yeah, I mean, one thing they did, they did pretty well was, um, you know, I'm not either liberal or conservative. I'm, I'm that typical guy who toes the line in the middle and whatever else. But, um, you know, I think they did get the money out right away. And obviously, yeah, they got to get their clawing back some of the money because there was overspending. But, I mean, for your people, I would yeah, rather... they didn't I, have it coming. Yeah. But they would have waited a long time if they went through fine tooth comb to see who should yeah. get it. Should. And look at the opposite, right? Have a guy in office and said, none of y'all should get it. We're going to make it very hard for anybody. Well, that, that was happening in the we States. What did they, they get in the States? $2,000 and they made everybody wait for it and wait for it and wait for it and wait for it. Exactly. And that's the opposite. That, was a total, that wasn't a monthly piece of coin you get. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, so, uh, yeah, so we, 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 need to, we need to count our blessings.
Yeah, it's the one time where liberal spending is is like literally relevant. It's like, well, you got to take care of people right now because the toll that would have been. And they did, they did. I like, I got to give it to them. They did a great job in getting that out because it helped my family out. We're able to to do what we could, we could do right now and and you know see what's going on yeah. uh, for the future. But for you, I know that. Not trying to rob drug dealers. Well, yeah. there, there, there's well seriously, man. There's enough people out there that. Uh, you know, they're on that cusp of change, potentially changing careers and everything else. I know a lot of comedians have um, adapted to new styles and new things, going out in parks, going out and doing different things. For you, I know, I know. It's the old school. I know you're not about it. But what, what's what's sort of your phase in the next step? I do backyard shows, so I ain't going to lie. Okay. But, you know, I still wear a suit and perform on a deck. But uh, parks, I don't like, you know, someone's backyard or a private property, that's one thing. Just put me on the park where any old, uh, 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 what's that gang of, of uh, something boys, the ones who are all with uh, Trump and all that. The good old boys? Or, no, the, the proud boys. Flower yeah. shirt proud boys. I, mean, you know, I don't want to be in a park where any bunch of proud boys can roll up and I got problems. Or someone's out there having a picnic and they don't appreciate what I'm saying. Because that's just everybody in the public and you hear them then they pass the hat around. Yeah. That's uh, that's Buckster, that's Buster comedy. I'll do, a, you know, I'll do something in a private setting, you know. But the uh, uh, way things are now, I feel like I doubt if I'll ever work inside in a comedy club again. I was lucky, though. I, I, did, a, I did a tour uh, last October, November, right before they shut down things in Alberta and uh, B.C., and I've got recordings of that that I'm trying to still edit and go through, which is basically all uh, material about uh, about uh, COVID mm-hmm. and about Black Lives Matter. So, uh, you know, i got to write about what's happening. So there's some good stuff coming out there. Um, it's just got to, you know, got to work on the production uh, values of it. But, yeah, I mean, the uh, sound exchange for comedy CDs have kept so many comics alive. Yeah. That's another, you know, Ben Miner. Uh, you know, with uh, you know, with sound with uh, uh, XM comedy has uh, you know he's probably the most uh, important man in Canadian comedy right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to keep people busy and keep people relevant. I, I guess in comedy, it's so important. You have to keep your face online all the time. You got to keep videos pumping out, and you got to keep the craft finely tuned. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. I'm sure it might be harder for some guys that are in the yeah. game, maybe under five years. Um, if they if they stop right now, they could potentially kill their growth completely. You know, I mean, even I feel like you know, like that's why with me, when Black Lives Matter and the riots were happening this summer, that's why I jumped on that and put so much out there on Facebook because I knew I wouldn't have a stage to be working out that stuff in front of everybody. So I sat there banging it out on Facebook as it happened and lost some friends. And uh, people I've known 30 years, and I've had a fallout. That Canadian guy, Glenn Foster, and I blocked him. We got in a fight, but Aunt Jemima got fired. So, you know, uh, you, you know, so he was like, what the, why are you trying to recreate history? I was like, fuck you, Mr. Grady. And it goes back to uh, shucking and jiving. And, you know, you, well, Aunt Jemima didn't look, uh, uh, you know, she's smiling. She doesn't look oppressed. And I said, she's smiling because she ain't got to breastfeed anybody's child today. She's smiling because the master didn't rape her. That's why she's smiling. Child, come and get these pancakes. Keep yep. the master's penis out of me. Come get these pancakes. So, you know. Um, yeah, and that's an example of something that's been canceled that is relevant. 
Uh, and, you know, it, it could be, people can look at it as a symbol. Um, people can degrade it to just saying it's a cartoon. Why would you cancel it? No, the reality is, is that legitimately is something that needs to be canceled. It, it's, it's then, you know, for you, I can imagine how hard it is because you have to toe a line with, or not toe a line, but you, you're a black comedian and comedians are supposed to shed light on things, but then also, um, you know, make sure you're, you're having fun with it, but then also making it serious. And you have to make sure you shed yeah. line of things so people understand this is real. So you, you, you like, how has that been for you? Because I see you online with Facebook, and I've actually seen some of those arguments with some people. How has that been for you? And how with your right now with the whole idea of woke culture? Because there's black activism, and then there's usually <laughs> it's white women that are oh, woke culture. Oh, there's black different uh, uh, social groups on Facebook, and some of them don't want you to have any white friends. And I say, well, that's too late for me. So I just scroll. I don't scold them. Or they say, if you date somebody white, hope they're not only are they giving you money, but you're stealing from them. So I just scroll, you know, I just say, hey, you know, I got, you know, that's your, that's your hang up. That's not me. You know, and then uh, also uh, I, I belong to this black uh, gun, gun owners club on Facebook. I don't own a gun, but, you know, it's nice to know you always hear about the NRA, but there's, all, there's these black gun owners that... They've got all the AK-47s and all the build-up extended uh, mag capacity and all the stuff because they're they're ready for when the race wars pop open too. They've got and they say, do you have a, a f-off space? So when the shit hits the fan, where do you retreat to and hide? Some of them got places out of the woods that they own. Here's some other people, you know, people in Mississippi, West Virginia. They've got some areas where they've got their supplies and they're ready for doomsday. So, you know, I read that, and of course, living in Canada, I don't have access to get the proper firearms. So, but, you know, I sit there and I go, well, if I did live in the United States, I definitely would have to have one of these Remington shotguns pump action with the pistol handles. So I get an idea. I start to make up a, a, a shopping list of guns that are going to get me, you know, so... Um, then I mellow out and I say, dude, all you really need is a little garage. You're not going to have a, a Waco kind of thing with anybody. I said, the most you may get is two or three households trying to, you know, give you a rough go one night. You just need, you just need a little two-shot uh, pea shooter, pop, pop, shoot him in the knee so the parents don't have to bury him. But, you know, where am I going to find a derringer? And if you happen to have a derringer, you'd like to contribute, send it to Kenny Robinson, care of post office box. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, what you're, what you're saying is very real in the States, man. And we don't get it. Like, that's, I think, the problem with social media and, and everything else. Because it's almost like a TV show to people that have never seen anything like it. or never been around it. And by seeing, so, there's so much misinformation online. It's like, we, it doesn't even feel real. So it's like, what, what? What people go through down there, like even what you just talked about there, that to some people that would sound absolutely ridiculous because you're talking about guns and having this. Because in Canada, that just doesn't make any sense. But in some areas, it's like we do have gun owners and gun crazy yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They got, and then we got all these former military guys that are Aryan Nation, and they've got like uh, their own, um, their, their own uh, uh, supply of uh, cash of, of weapons and ammunition. I mean, they just most they just raided some biker clubs uh, around the London area. They found uh, they found not military issue, but they found hand grenades as well as all the AKs and and, and uh, automatic assault weapons and what have you. So, you know, we'd be silly to think that we don't have people with 
We just don't have them foaming at the mouth like werewolves. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is even towns um, that have deep roots. I mean, look at Georgetown. There's, there's different places that have deep roots in um, systemic racism, KKK. It's definitely here. It's just Canada tries to play the pretty face on it. It's just down there. It's 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 it's, it's come to a head. It's it's crazy down there right now. So can't even imagine. Um, if, if they acquit that cop in Minneapolis, do you think there's going to be rioting, or do you think people are just going to say, "Hold you"? I think I would. If I'm a black man and that happens, I, I if I don't have a kid, I would be in the streets lighting things on fire. That's. Um, you know, that can't because be. after seeing what we've seen, it's the same thing with Rodney King when those cops were acquitted. You know, you say you don't believe us when we tell you what happened. You say, well, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Now you've watched it with your own eyes and you still find a way to acquit this to say it doesn't matter to justify it. Yeah. You can't, you know, don't tell me what, what Martin Luther King. That's why I love a lot of people are always up there on Facebook. Martin Luther King wouldn't approve of looting and burnt. You know what else he wouldn't approve of? Getting shot in his fucking neck when he was standing on a balcony getting ready to go have dinner. He wouldn't approve of that either. But, you know, you ain't, you ain't as vocal about that. So, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I'll, I'll be watching and I'm keeping plenty of soft drinks and popcorn on, on, the, on, on standby. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how they justify, you know. He has trace elements of this in the system, therefore that, no. Someone was on his neck for nine minutes. That's that's it. That's it. There's nothing else about it, you know. And uh, the, well, yard, the, the one kid they... here in Toronto this week, they stopped a kid mentally challenged. He shouldn't have been driving a car because he's mentally challenged. But someone thought that he was the guy that uh, that kidnapped his girlfriend in the home invasion last week. Yep. So the cops threw stun grenades and they rammed the car that he had, was using. It was a rental. And he got all kinds of injuries. They took him to the police station, handcuffed, and, and, you know, didn't want his mother to know about his health and what have you. And then they go, oh, he made a mistake. Well, the kid doesn't look anything like the character they were looking at. So that means any, you know, and then I was reading on the Toronto Star, and he's writing and arguing about it in the comment section. Well, he was a, well, they were trying, he was a suspect, but he didn't look like the guy. Yeah. This kid doesn't have dreads. The guy in the picture had dreads. So just somebody, well, they said the suspect was black. Well, does that make every black man a suspect? You know, why don't you, you know, the, go grab one of the Raptors, except for they can't come to Canada now because of COVID. But, you know, go grab, go grab one of your favorite, you know, go grab Drake. You know, go grab somebody else and say they were looking like a suspect. That means everybody's son is a suspect. Yeah, it's. If that's enough for it, you know, so it's, uh. I hope they pay the kid a lot of money. Yeah, no matter what they say, it, it's there's deep-threaded racism that's even interwoven in almost everybody, man. And, and obviously, even this past year, being at home, you had a chance to say, I'm a 37-year-old white man. I had to self-reflect on myself. What I didn't do when everything broke down was I didn't go online, I didn't post anything, because every frigging friend I have who is white is posting up in arms, and, and it's like, well, it's important. It's like... You're doing it for yourself. They're doing it to be, you know, friends of, and they want to be warriors and everything Allies. else. It's like, the, the, well, the, the war can be won also at home. You know, my daughter, that's where the war is won from me. If I want to be able to make a change. That's the future planting. That's the seeds that that's you plant. That's it. That's it, right? So, um, but it gets my blood boiling with some of these things. Like, with Brianna Taylor, that's, like, that's where what you're saying makes complete sense. Because 
it's, it's crazy until bed. it's not. And someone breaks into your house. It's because they kicked open the door without a warrant, without that, declaring who they are. It's crazy. You know, uh, so I mean, there's always, and then they'll go, yeah, but she used to date a drug dealer. Well, hey, John what? F. Kennedy's father was in business with Aristotle Onassis, and they used his ships to transport opium during World War II. So technically, the President of the United States' father used to be involved with an opium mover. Oh, well, they're all criminals so, you know, anyway. you could always find that what about, what about, what about. Yeah, but they're it doesn't... Full of what about. But that's the, that's the problem. It's, it doesn't need to be what about, right? Like, in... in in looking for civil rights, it doesn't need to be um, addition by subtraction. But then on the other side of things, people don't need to be like, well, what about this? What about that? It's, no, it's not what about. It's this is what just happened. I don't care what about that over there right yeah. now. Let's let's look at this right now. This is not okay. Right? Let's deal with this. And I think that that's where, you know, Aunt Jemima is legitimate. That's where, you know, we're, we're getting away from race. But Pepe Le Pew, I think, is, is a talking point. To my child when they see that cartoon not let's just erase them from history that's where the race with history is just stupid oh and, see i hadn't seen or thought of pepe Le Pew. i can't remember the last time i seen exactly. pepe Le Pew cartoon exactly so apparently he had he was supposed to have a little gig in the new space jam movie you know but if they said well you know he's kind of rapey and i said well yeah and, and not only that but he thinks that cat is a skunk so he's going outside his species <laughs> so She might see it once or twice in her life anyways. But for me, it's like, if I wasn't a parent, I'd probably be like, well, you guys canceling this. This is stupid. But as a parent now, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a little ridiculous. Like, I watched Peter Pan with her, and I turned it off. There were some points I'm like, at the same time, it's a talking point. She, she, she needs to learn. And, and I, I, I... At the same she, point, you'll sit there and watch Family Guy, and then, man... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and, I mean, that's further on down the road. But, I mean, I think that... I think just to erase cartoons is just... To me, it's just stupid. Absolutely stupid. Where even the people that, you know, some people are fighting for are like, what, what, what are you doing? What, what is, what are you saying right now? It's too, like, there's some extreme levels that are, are getting ridiculous. Not even just things that are being canceled, just, you, you see it online. Think, and, I don't think we've hit the tip of it yet. We've only seen the tip of the iceberg. But I mean, don't forget. You know, I mean, I was I was a kid when JFK was shot. I was watching Mark. I was watching the Flying Nun when they interrupted the program to announce that Martin Luther King was assassinated. I was living in Chicago when they had National Guard troops in jeeps with fixed bayonets going through various uh, parts of town to cool shit out. I had a mayor 
Mayor Richard Daly, the first Daly, that he gave his police department the order to shoot and kill uh, uh, arsonists and rioters and shoot to maim looters. That's what a mayor gave the order to his police department. And then things got better that summer when they had the Democratic Convention, when you had hippies, you know, fighting with the police outside the convention hall and all about to stop the war in Vietnam piece of thing. So, you know, I, I was like 10 years old. So I grew up seeing all this good stuff. All the changes people thought were going to come and then how the changes stopped coming and, and then how things will... My kid brother, he was just a uh, intelligence, spoke five different dialects of Arabic. I used to refer to him as Reagan's Iron Youth. You know, he was all about being a Republican. I said, how are you going to be a Republican? You ain't got enough money to be a Republican for the things they believe in. And then uh, he drank himself. He lost his uh, security clearance. And when he got, so he got an honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy. And then 9-11 happened. If he wasn't uh, uh, a brain wet drunk, you know, right when his country needed him, when they needed translators, you know, that's when he could have, you know, his, his dream was always to get into the CIA. And I said, oh, you're off. And, you know, when I tried to get him there, I said, look, sober up. But he was convinced that his name was already garbage with the, with the government so they wouldn't take him. I said, yes, they take, you know, CIA and, 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 and spies and, and they take in uh, people like you. Um, there's a couple more things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, the after hours. I was watching it and I'm like, that we need some of that right now, right? Like, I mean, I, I think that, I think right now where things are, we're at that point where everybody's just saying, fuck this, fuck this woke culture. The show was ahead of time. Uh, way, way I ahead. I mean, it was Leslie Jones' first time doing sketch comedy. It was, I think it might have been Kevin Hart's first time doing TV or the first time doing sketches that he did. Uh, it was Cardinal Fishel's first time doing TV when he was on there. Trey Anthony, who is now... Uh, uh, in charge of pro, uh, uh, one of the people in charge of program development for CBC, and she had been writing for Oprah Winfrey. It was her first writing and television gig. So there's a whole lot of firsts on that show, you know. So we were kind of ahead of uh, ahead of everything else. Do you do you see something like that? Because I just I feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people have mentioned this, like there is that tipping point coming. Because eventually it just gets so ridiculous that everybody's just going to say fuck this. Um, and comedians are going to be the, the front line of just telling everybody just to basically enough is enough. This woke culture needs no, to go. It won't ever be that good. No, you don't think so? No. I'm being an optimist, am I? Well, it's just your, you know, they've got, what you have is you've got comics that want to tell you all about um, the new world order, but they don't have any jokes about it. Okay. They want to tell you about the Rothsteins. They don't have any jokes about it. So what they are is you got some conspiracy theorists that think that if they go and yap about it on stage, they're letting fucking roots. Well, no. You got to make it funny if you're going to talk about it. If I talk about race, you know, or, or, or sexism or, or, you know, violence against women, they're still punchlines. Yeah. That's the job description. And not many comics, unless they have a personal um, investment in it, are going to do that. The very best have ones. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, not a lot of comics count as being among the very best, as far as being socially significant. Have you found that uh, 
there's been a huge influx. I noticed before COVID, there was there seems to be a lot of comedians out there now. Um, I mean, online situations has sort of created that because everybody has a podcast, as I'm doing one right now. Um, but is there is it almost watered down? Is there a lot of a lot of young talent coming up, but a lot of people just trying to maybe not do the work, but just jump up on well, stage? Well, I felt that way for a long time. There's a good friend of mine, Wayne Jamil, said a lot of guys got into stand-up comedy in the 80s because they didn't want to sell shoes anymore. Okay. Fair enough. So now with now with all the open mics and all the podcasts and all that, of course you've got an influx of people. And you know, I'm not one to piss on anybody's dreams. Go for it. But you gotta understand you're not entitled to a, a a platform. You're not entitled to it. So you better, you know, you better work hard, be a decent human being and uh, bring the funny. And I remember, well, I mean, you brought up a lot of comedians and, you know, through the Nubian show, like the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, I remember when Natish, I was going to school with Natish and he's like, yo, Kenny Robinson was thinking about maybe putting me on the Nubian show. I'm like, okay, awesome, man. That's sick. And I, and I knew, known about the Nubian show a little bit then, but I saw what it meant to him. Yeah. I saw what it meant to him. It meant so much to be on your show. And then he goes, uh, so you want to come help him move? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, not that, you know, the moving got him the, the gig, but it got more time with you, right? So he goes and helps you move and gets yeah. more time with Otherwise, you. Otherwise, he would have just been another cat that I didn't really know yeah. that well. Well, he's smart, right? You needed a hand. And he's like, I'm, I'm jumping on oh, this. Oh, as a godfather, uh, they come a time when I ask a favor. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and that was a favor. And you brought up a lot of comedians through... Through, like, even just how you sort of, you were saying, this is what Natisha needed to do, this is what this person needs to do. So it's not just learning about comedy, it's also the business side of things too, and you help so, so many people along. How has that been for you, not only just being the comedian, but then being, you know, the teacher, the professor? Well, I guess it all sounds a lot nicer when I'm dead and gone to my kids to hear it. But, you know, it's just, uh, it ain't, you know, to me, it's not really a it's just something I did. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I think you've been asked, uh, you know, similar questions to that before. And I think it, it comes down to, you know, what you're doing yourself when you're on stage. So what, what do you have up, up next? I know that you've been going out west, um, doing a lot of shows before COVID. Well, I got two CDs. I got to try and uh, I got to try and master. I got the one I recorded just out west. And then my son found uh, real to real tapes that I just had converted to a dat which and then i gotta get converted to something else that's from awesome. like 1988 or something right so uh in fact when i was listening to it it's so old it sounds like i was listening to old vinyl so oh, it's that... recorded on a, on a four track reel to reel machine i rented from uh long of the quaid for 35 dollars for the month so i've got to go through that and boy there's some stuff from there that'll get me canceled so i was canceled before canceled was being canceled I was pre-canceled. So I got to do that. I'm doing comedy workshops with, uh, uh, directed at uh, ages 17 to 25, uh, trying to introduce youth to the arts. And if any young people are interested in coming stand-up, so I'm doing that through a program called uh, uh, Windows Opportunity. So I've been doing that, uh, doing the Zoom things. Um, I, I, the meeting that I was supposed to be having now that I got to have at three, that's because I'm on the board of directors for the uh, for the brand new Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Awesome. So uh, 
Yeah, so that's why. So I blew them guys off the top. So you know. saying it in your ears. I'm like, look, it sounded like it was important. I'm like, let them jump on. I'll jump on later. But I appreciate that. Man. Yeah, because you know, because they were supposed to do it last Monday. It was all screwed up, and and then you know, so uh, it is what it is. You know, so I, but well, plus because I accidentally fucked up uh, on Monday with you, I said, well, I ain't going, but I ain't going to do that to my man two days in a row. So later on for him, you know, I'll make up. You know, plus they don't want to hear me right now. Like I, you heard me tell them, you know, my main goal is to get McLean and McLean into the, uh, you know, they've got, you know, uh, they'll, they'll have, uh, you know, uh, Wayne and Schuster will get in and Jim Carrey's going to get in and, and David Broadfoot's going to get in. But I want to get those two uh, uh, East Coast boys that lived a block down the street from my aunt in trans school in Winnipeg uh, that were filthy buggers that got arrested for obscenity in, in Kitchener and Thunder Bay. I want to try and get them into it. You know, on their shoulders, I stand. So, um, you know, they're not enough. They're both dead, so it'll be kind for their, their children to, to see this. But I believe that, uh, you know, every comic that says a dirty, uh, uses a dirty word or a dirty joke uh, in this country, uh, you know, uh, oh, something McLean, McLean. You, I know, are a busy man today, so I will let you get on your way. It's, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, pleasure to know you. And like I said, uh, you know, seeing the passion that you had for your mom and the passion that you have as a dad um, is just awesome, not alone. But uh, to hear some of the stories, I'd love to hear more. I'd love to be able to you know, call you in the future and we'll go through some stuff. But On to my next Zoom meeting. We'll make it happen. If there's a will, there's a way. For sure. All right, brother. Thank you very much All for your right, time. Here. What we've got here is failure to communicate.